You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Everybody just listen to what they were saying this morning. Uh, man, if you just took that enough, that much away, you would be able to take something away because I'm telling you, uh, there's a lot of us in here today that do not get that very simple principle. What are you comparing what you are up against today? What do you compare it to? Uh, well, if you compare it to God, everything's small, amen? And the Israelites, uh, just like the song they sing, oh, there's giants there, and that's too big, and, and we can never do it. And it's like, well, God never said you could do it. Could do it. He said he was going to do it. Uh, so compare, learn to compare what you're facing to God. Uh, in, two, in the 2000 Olympics, I don't know how many of you remember it's funny, when you get older, you realize that how many people weren't even alive then, uh, uh, people in our church. But anyway, in, in the 2000 Olympics, in the match for the gold medal in the heavyweight uh, Greco-Roman wrestling, this is a 286 weight class, 286 pound weight class, uh, Alexander Carolyn, and I want to get a picture of him up there, this guy, all right, uh, kind of look, we're similar uh, looking mostly there, uh, I just got more hair. Uh, so Alexander Carolyn, uh, this Russian here, he, he was so dominant that he was considered, oh, well, I'll tell you about his dominance in a minute. So it was this guy versus uh, uh, Rulon Gardner, which, uh, right, that guy. Who you got? Um, they, they weigh the same now. Just remember that. You say, well, he's a big old boy. Yeah, the other one's 286 looking like that one. That guy's 286 looking like that. Uh, so again, Carolyn was a Russian that was so dominant. By the way, let's get the next picture up there. This is another picture of him. All right. What this dude's about to do, and you'll, I'll have a video of it in just a moment, uh, is he's about to pick up this 286-pound dude and just toss him on his neck. It's a move that's not even supposed to be possible uh, for the size of the person that he's picking up. Uh, Chad Wendell had a pretty good record in, in his high school wrestling days, I believe. A good wrestler, strong wrestler, one of Akron's best. I may be going too far, I don't know, but he might be saying, keep going, you're not far, haven't got there yet. Um, but, all right, here was his record in uh, international competition, Chad, 887 and 2, meaning he won 887 times, lost twice. He was undefeated for 13 straight years, he never lost a match. For six straight years, he never gave up one point, Derek. I'm looking at a Lennox wrestler now, and I might start going around. Uh, six years, he never gave up a single point. Now, something I'll say about him is he was called the experiment, nicknamed the experiment, because if you remember, was it Rocky IV with, uh, with the Russian and all that? That's Rocky IV, right? Um, so, hey, man, that's right. Um, but he was called the experiment. Because much like the Russian on there, there was a lot of rumors of PEDs, which I'd never believe it by looking at him, but there were rumors of that. Uh, I, I, got a, I got a, just a short video that shows him picking up a 286-pound man and slamming him a couple of times. I think we got that coming up here. All right, that's him, and here we go. It's frozen. Okay, it's, it's green now. All right, that's, that's the first time. 286 pounds laying and trying to hold himself on the ground. Takes a little bit of work, but up he goes, and then around on your neck. Boom, there you go. Game over right there. 
Um, that's pretty much all I had today. <laughs> Everybody have a great afternoon. No, uh, no so, so that's Alexander Carolyn, okay? Uh, Rulon Gardner was an American farm boy. He's from Wyoming with a soft physique without much of a resume. On paper, the match looked like a foregone conclusion, but that's why you have the match, and that's why you play the game. Uh, Rulon went on to defeat Alexander 1-0 and win the gold medal for the United States. And I, I want you to show the next video now, if you would, please. All right, so here it is. Uh, it's kind of sticky there, the way the video came up, but that's fine. That's still helps prove the point. So we can move on from that one. But what you didn't see was how, how simple, uh, man, I don't think that was the one that I wanted to show right there, actually. It wasn't. Uh, but, but, what, but what I was wanting to show was Alexander Carolyn, so that'll be the next one probably, guys, I think. But Alexander Carolyn, uh, he had this guy in a grip, and what you know is about to come is you are about to get slammed on your neck, okay, uh, with this guy. But what happened, so he's, he's got this grip, he's strong, I mean, no, you can't break this grip. Nobody's broken this grip in six straight years that this dude has. But Rulon Gardner, that wasn't the, there's another video that shows it, uh, but, but, but basically it just happened so quick, you don't even need to see the video actually. He broke the grip, and as soon as he broke the grip, the game was over. Well, he had to still fight for a little bit more to make sure, you know, it was an overtime match. But he won with, he won 1-0. Now, I say that because I believe there's a lot of people in here today, you might not be able to see it by looking around, but there's a lot of people sitting right here today that something or somebody has a grip on. And when you look at yourself, you may see a soft, physique, not very strong person, and whatever it is you're up against is undefeated. And, and, and there's people in here today that you might not be able to tell it by looking around, but spiritually speaking, they've been body slammed on their neck this week. In other words, there's people in here that something or somebody has a hold on them, something or somebody has hurt them, and, and, and wounded them. And what I say today is since the fall of man, mankind has been in spiritual captivity. Not only were we, the Bible says we were all born into sin, but also we were born into a sinful world that has chosen the way of sin. The way of sin, the way of death, the way of cursing. Therefore, every one of us have been born into a place filled with pain, with sickness, and with death. We live among people who are manipulators, users, and abusers. A world filled with bondage. A world filled with grips, and slams, and pain and a bunch of people that are going up against something that looks a whole lot stronger than them that they feel like they cannot break loose from. That's where we live today. Now, how about this? How, how would you today like to be set free? Wouldn't that be nice? 
Wouldn't it be nice to be set free? Wouldn't it be nice to break that grip? I could just have the kids come back here, by the way, and just get ahead of me a little bit and sing, compared to God, everything's small. Amen? Quit comparing it to yourself and start comparing it to God. But God can break free. And somebody says, oh, preacher, I've already been set free. Yep, my, my sins have been forgiven. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. That is wonderful news. But there's many people who are saved that are still gripped and slammed and hurting. And so today, I want to try to preach to you about breaking the grip of captivity. What has a hold on you today? May I ask you that? What has a hold on you today? I can tell you this, whatever it is, Jesus can set you free. I've got a number of verses I'm going to share with you quickly, if you will listen quickly, and you can look into these more later. But in Isaiah 61, this is the prophecy of Jesus coming and about what He would do. These are the same words that Jesus actually in the temple read out of the book of Isaiah. And I just want to read you this last part of verse number 1. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now that's not the only reason He came. There's a list there. But the last part of the verse says, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. In other words, Jesus came into a world of captives. Jesus came into a world of people who are bound. But Jesus came, and let me tell you something, He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says He had keys to set you free. That's why Jesus came. I'll share with you just a few other verses here. Throughout His earthly ministry, that's exactly what Jesus did. We have example after example. In Mark 7, the Bible says, And they bring unto Him one that was deaf, verse 32, and had an impediment of, in His speech. And they beseech Him to put His hand upon Him. And He took Him aside from the multitude and put His fingers in His ears and He spit and He touched His tongue. In verse 34, And looking up to heaven, He sighed and saith, Aphaphrata, that is, be open. And here it is, verse 37, Straightway his ears were open, and the string of his tongue was loose, and he spake plain. Jesus loosed this man. He loosed this man's tongue. He opened up his hearing. Jesus also flexed his muscle on the demonic death grip that Satan held on many people. And I'll say that again. Jesus flexed his muscle on those that were held for many years and could not be set free from Satan's grip. The Bible says in Luke 13, verse 11, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose! From thine infirmity. Hey, how many of you have heard Jesus say, Thou art loosed? Hey, man, I have. Uh, and I'll say more about that in a minute, but I'll tell you what, I still need to hear him say it every once in a while. Thou art loosed. And I need to be reminded that he said it. Thou art loosed, woman, from thine infirmity. What's infirmity? Anybody know? We think of it as maybe a sickness, but it's literally weakness. 
You got some weakness in your life? You got weakness in your thought life? You got some things, some areas where you're not strong? Hey, you can be loosed from your infirmity. Jesus can set you free. Jesus did it while on earth, and Jesus, can I get a witness right here? Jesus is still setting captives free. Amen. He is. John 8.36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You see, the experiences of our past can have binding power on us. Whether it's something that we have done, or whether it's something we are currently doing, or not doing, these things can have a grip, can have a hold can have a hold you think you just cannot get out of. You get slammed. Then you get picked up like the video we showed, and you get slammed again. Boy, I'm telling you, there's many of us that if we could really see, if we could just roll back the veil of our flesh and roll back the mind and see what's really going on in our lives in this place today, you would see a lot of people that are getting manhandled. You'd see a lot of people that are, whether it's something in the past or something in your present, sadly, can I say this? We carry our past. Now, think about what we do. We carry our past into our present. And there's people sitting here today that are still holding on to things they heard said about them from the time that they were children. Things a parent said, things a coach said, and you have them right here with you today, 40 years later. Some of the things that happened to you in the past, and you're carrying them here today with you. And then on top of that, you know what we like to do also? Then we also want to borrow from tomorrow's trouble on top of that. It is hard to, you're not meant to live that way. You are not made to live that way. You cannot live that way. Jesus wants to set you free from that. But that's where many people find themselves. Listen, if, if we could just see, because in the souls that are here this morning, if we could just see the souls, we would see deep cuts. Yeah, on the outside, we look fine, we look healthy, we look sharp. But I'm telling you, there's some souls that got some fresh cuts on them today. There's some minds and some hearts that have festering wounds among us today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of, listen to this, strongholds. Strongholds. Now those strongholds, that's talking more about a fortress, not this kind of hold necessarily. But again, the application is the same. Strongholds. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means to be of the flesh. I'm going to be strong. I've got this. I can do this. Forget about that. No, it's spiritual. It's mighty through God. It's God who gives us the power. Folks, we have the resurrection power, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us. We have the Word of God, and those things can break strongholds, tear down strongholds, pulling down strongholds. Casting down imaginations. What's an imagination? That's, that's images that you have. Thoughts that you have. 
things you think, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. The song this morning I'm going to read out is an example. The Israelites go into the land. They see a bunch of giants there, people that are much bigger than they are. Okay? They had a thought. They had some knowledge enter their mind. They had a voice enter their mind that said, they'll destroy you. They're much bigger than you. They're much stronger than you. But there was a problem. They had a promise that they had had for like 40 years that God was going to defeat these people. So now you have two different types of knowledge. You have one knowledge that says, you can't do this. This is too big for you. You have another knowledge that says, but God said, I'm going to give you victory. So what the Bible tells us to do is we're supposed to, we're supposed to bring down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, which is to say what God says. That's why it's so important to know what the Bible says, folks. Do your best to get into it. If you need some help, man, I, I would love to sit with you. And let's just read it and talk about it together. Because you are not going to break the grip until you know the knowledge of God. Not just assumptions, but actually what God's Word says. And so, uh, every, and then bring every thought into the obedience of Christ, learning to bring everything you think in through the filter of God's Word. Ephesians 6, verse 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, some of you are in the grip of something, and you don't even know who the real enemy is. You've got a different name for the enemy. You've got a different face for the enemy. All the while, Satan's back there laughing. Because we don't have a battle with flesh and blood. He said our battle's not with flesh and blood, but against principalities. And by the way, these are ranks of demonic forces. But against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Today, I just want to share with you a couple of quick thoughts. This is not everything that could be said on the subject. But I want to share with you a couple of strongholds and how the Lord can help you to break them. Okay? I want to start with this one. Secrecy and loneliness. Secrecy and loneliness. And let's look at these together. One reason you may feel alone today is that you want to keep things secret. One of the grips that Satan has on you is secrecy. And then I bring loneliness it because you feel alone because you keep things a secret. And everybody keeps things secret. And that leads to loneliness. There's a lot of what we call taboos today. Taboo is believed to be a Polynesian word that carried the idea of a couple things. To forbid, to taboo the ground, which means to set it apart as a sanctuary, Tabooed ground is held in sacred and inviolable, in, 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 a place you can't go. In other words, what does taboo mean? Things that are taboo. We know them as things, well, you don't really talk about that. But you know, the picture is, you don't go there. This is taboo, I don't go there. I, I, I got to keep this stuff secret because th- 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 there's a power, that there's a grip that Satan has through secrecy. We just don't talk about such things. 
You know what's really sad, I believe, among many Christians? Is they don't openly talk about abuse. That's, that's sad. Don't go there. Don't go there. Never mind that one in ten children will experience contact sexual abuse in the U.S. before the age of 18. So we don't, we don't go there. We keep that secret. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to open up about that. We don't want to talk about addictions, substance abuse. And I say substance abuse because uh, I can't remember. I don't know what the numbers would be now, but I know a few years ago, uh, abusing, the abusing of prescription drugs had uh, far surpassed you know, the, the, the rec we call recreational drugs or those that you'd get off the street or whatever, substance abuse, sexual addictions. We don't talk about that. You know, and when you look at the numbers, for instance, when it comes to, you know, I'll, I'll just bring up pornography. Well, don't go there, preacher. That's taboo. We don't go there. But if you knew the men, especially, around you that struggle with pornography, there's a power in that. I I'm, I'm, I'm don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, but there's sexual addictions, and it's not just pornography. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that in just a moment. You say, I can't wait. Uh, substance abuse, uh, or su addiction to substance, uh, sexual, sexual addictions, gambling, Anybody know how much money's being bet on the Super Bowl today? Sixteen billion. Sixteen billion dollars. I'll just say in there, forgive me if I question some calls and things I see when there's billions of dollars riding on it. Amen. Unless my team wins, then it's all good, okay? Um, unfortunately, I don't have a team in the Super Bowl this year, but regardless of that, uh, the, the point is, I mean, listen, there's a reason. I just want to say this. There's a reason that uh, you, talk, you look at the addiction to gambling. There's a reason you could win 200 bucks if somebody hit a three in the NBA last night. It, it, it's hardly a difference from a dealer giving you your first, your first hit free because it gets people addicted. And I know not everybody that gambles is addicted and all that. I understand that. But I'm just saying... Uh, I know people, there's people in my family that's got addicted to gambling and nobody knew about it until they show up and somebody's trying to repo the cards. And nobody knows about it until they finally open up one of the letters with the pink slip in there saying your mortgage has been uh, defaulted. You know, you haven't paid your house payment in three or four months. Uh, you know, I've seen that. I've seen some of the horrible things, but I'm not going to spend much time there. How about this? We, keep, we, we don't go there. We don't talk about moral failures. How about this one? We don't talk about abortion. Now, pretty soon, uh, Nicole's going to be uh, talking about her health on, what's the date, Nicole? Yes. April 18th. That's on a Tuesday. Please, everybody in here, I'd love to be at that banquet on April 18th. And we'll talk more about that later for her health. Beautiful thing. So we do talk about abortion around here, but what about this? What about women that have had abortions? What about maybe women in here that have had an abortion? Don't go there. Don't go there. And I'm just bringing up, again, some taboos. Uh, emotional issues. 
that lead to compulsions, like overeating, overspending, things of that nature. Taboos. I want to come back quickly to the taboo of, of, uh, of abuse. Uh, more than, uh, I mentioned that one in ten children will experience contact sexual abuse before the age of 18. More than 50% of sex abuse survivors were sexually abused before the age of 12. So half were abused before the age of 12. This is interesting, something to look out for. Children with disabilities are two, almost, they're, they're almost three times more likely than children without disabilities to be abused. Children with intellectual and mental health disabilities appear, it's, it's nearly five times higher risk to be abused. As many as 93% of child sex cases, the child knows the person that commits the abuse. Uh, I got the number somewhere, but it's like over half are either family members or a close friend. Uh, one of the numbers I heard this week, I didn't verify, uh, but I heard Erwin Lutzer mention this number, that he said that one in three girls will be in some way uh, touched or abused in uh, this year. And I don't know about that. I'm not, I'm not confirming those numbers, but I heard Erwin Lutzen use that number. <coughs> Males make up almost 88% of perpetrators. 60% of children who are abused do not disclose it. And then I thought this one was interesting. Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was almost like this joke thing, right? It was like Chester the child molester. And you just imagine this real creepy dude, ooh, he looks like a child molester, right? Um, but I, that's just the way I grew up. But that's a pretty ignorant way to grow up because this was interesting. Over half of abuse, that is, over half of the abusers are under the age of 18. Over half of them are under the age of 18. Now, and, and I'm just going to stop right there, but I'm just saying that's a taboo that we don't want to talk about. That's a secret that you hold that can lead to loneliness. When you get into a group of people or you just live in this world, and since we don't go there, you feel like the only person that's ever been abused. Now, I'm talking about abuse, but it could be whatever the thing is. You feel like the only one, right? But man, there's a power. I mean, there, there's a power when you can finally admit to somebody. And it was an amazing thing to me. I, I, I first admitted to my wife that I was sexually abused by a neighbor, again, under the age of 18, as a kid, when I was just probably elementary. I don't even know how old I was. But I held that in for years, man. And when finally it just got, I'm, I'm carrying this with me all these years. It's a secret. I don't want to tell anybody about this. It's a shame, you know, and all this stuff. But then finally, man, I just broke down in tears one night and told and shared with my wife what happened uh, with me. And then, uh, then in the church I was in at the time, uh, by the way, man, uh, the, the numbers on reservations are just, uh, completely heartbreaking. You talk about, uh, but we had a number of people from reservations in our church, and I, I began to uh, I began to hear that what happened with some of them, and, uh, and 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 they were able to open up, and I was able to open up, and you know what happened? Whew. There's a grip getting loose there. That doesn't hold me anymore. That's why I can just talk about it today. It doesn't hold me anymore. It doesn't hurt me anymore. I'm saying me. I didn't, we, don't, we may have not gone through the same experience, but I'm just saying it, it, it doesn't hold me anymore. 
Now, I mentioned a number of things there. But whatever the secret is, again, people don't go there. They just don't want to talk about it because they think they're the only ones. Now, this leads to loneliness. All right? Loneliness has become a growing epidemic. John Milton pointed out that loneliness is the first thing which God, uh, God's eye named not good. The first thing God said, it is not good. When he said it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, in the United States, loneliness is currently at epidemic levels. A recent Cigna study of 20,000 U.S. adults found that nearly half of Americans feel like they are alone. Uh, there's no doubt that loneliness is on the rise, and it affects all ages. A survey by AARP showed that more than 42 million U.S. adults over the age of 45 suffer from chronic loneliness. By the way, can I just add in right there, I do not like being the age to where my age is include, included in an AARP poll. <sighs> but again, I'll say it again, 42 million people over the age of 45 in America suffer from chronic loneliness. While the Cigna study revealed, now here's the thing, ah, oh, poor old people, hold on just a second, not so fast. The, the largest growing uh, population of people experiencing loneliness that's getting over the, that's more than the old people, 18 to 22 year olds. 18 to 22 year olds. That, ain't that something? I started praying for some of our college kids uh, when I read that poll. I started praying for some of our high schoolers when I read that poll. 18 to 22, even more. Oh, those poor old folks, of course they're lonely. No, the kids are lonely. They feel like they don't belong. A lot of it, I believe, goes back to there's this, there's this close, there's this secrecy of the way they live their lives. The most, here's the most broadly accepted definition of loneliness. Loneliness is the distress that results from discrepancies between ideal and perceived Social relationships. And I'll just say that again. Distress that results from discrepancies between ideal and perceived social relationships. In other words, how we think our social relationships should be versus how they really are. People feel lonely because of the discrepancy there. Uh, according, according to the Encyclopedia of Human Relationships, the word I think is the most important in this sentence is perceived. Unlike physically being alone, we are not talking about people who are physically alone here. Some of them are. Most of the people that experience loneliness are not physically alone. There's people in here today that feel lonely. They're around family. They're young. They're around friends. Why do you feel lonely? Because Mostly because there's a lot of things inside that you've never opened up about. And there's some other reasons beside that, but I think that plays a big role. The most broadly... Accepted, uh, I'm sorry, uh, unlike physically being alone, loneliness is a feeling and a perception. So loneliness doesn't mean you're alone. It's a feeling and it's a perception. It involves seeing a way or seeing ourselves and the world around us. We can only feel lonely, I'm sorry, we can feel lonely in a wide array of social settings and circumstances. For lonely, loneliness to exist, Two things are needed, and I'm about done if you just bear with me. A lack of meaning in one's relationships and a sense of the self as separate from others. So number one, you don't have meaning in relationships. Number two, you don't have a sense 
or you have a sense that you're separate from everybody else. Whatever you are enduring or whatever you have endured, whether it's abuse, whether it's manipulation, whether it's uh, moral failure, I want you to know today someone else has gone through what you have gone through. Someone else is going through what you're going through. And there needs to be a transparency in order to break the hold that Satan and this loneliness and this privacy this, this privacy has on us. James 5.16, the Bible says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So just, just get this picture with me. You come to this church. You like it. You, uh, you enjoy the services. You enjoy the singing. You enjoy the preaching and the Bible studies. And you participate. But there's a part of you that don't feel like you really belong. There's a part of you that feels a little isolated. Not because we're a church that makes people feel isolated, but a lot of times you're thinking, yeah, these people aren't, I'm not really like this. I remember having that sense when I came to church because I thought these people got it together. And I'm, I, I'm festering here. My mind is a wreck. My life is a wreck. I've gone through some, through some things in my life that I'm ashamed of. I've done some things. I've had things done to me, whatever. And, but these people, these people live in a different place than me. That's how I felt about people in church. But you know what happens when you start? The Bible says confess your faults one to another. It don't have to just be faults. And that doesn't mean that I'm just going to start passing a mic around and say, okay, tell, us, tell everybody everything right now. I'm not talking about that. But I'm telling you, there is a power to getting with somebody you can trust, especially if right now you've got something in your mind that you can feel that grip tightening on you as you sit there. Think about this. You, you say, preacher, I wish you wasn't talking about this today. But you know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like going to the doctor, and the doctor, doctor discovers that there's something inside of you that's doing harm. And he says to you, he says, I can help you. You can? Yes, I can help you. Wonderful. Uh, okay, well, well, do it, man. Okay, what are you going to do? i got to cut you first. Oh, yeah, yeah, i got to open you up. See, this is healed, but it ain't, this ain't healing right, man. This is festering. There's some junk going on under there, and I'm telling you right now, because some of you are saying, Preacher, I've had this buried for 40 years, and I've been fine. No, you aren't. No, you aren't. God wants to do some surgery in your heart. He wants to get to where you can talk about something, and they don't have a hold on you anymore. He, he wants to get to the point, anybody, see, because when you look around here today, when you look up here at this preacher today, I want you to know something that, you, that you're looking at. If you're looking at any victory, or if you're looking at anything in my life that would be to aspire to, to where there's been a grip that's been broken, that's exactly what it is. Because you're looking at somebody that has been bound. You're looking at somebody that's been thrown on his neck. And if you look around this church, you're going to see a whole lot more of them. You're going to see people that, are, that, are, that, that were bound by things of their past. People that struggle with things in their present. We've not arrived yet, people. And I'm telling you, there is a power when we can get together with someone we trust and know and be transparent. I'm struggling with some things. 
I'm having a hard time. Let me tell you this. God forbid that there would be an abuser among us. But even if, there, if there's an abuser among us, man, you need to come clean. You said, do you know what the consequences of that might be? Do you know what the consequences might be if you don't? You need to come clean. He said, I could go to jail. That would, be, that would be a shame. But I'm telling you, you can have forgiveness and you can be set free. And you might be in jail where you belong. And I'm not trying to say that in some kind of mean way or nothing, but truly. Uh, but you can get some help in your heart and in your life. Uh, I'm telling you, we need to be, and as a church, that's one reason Christians ought to be transparent. I'll give you this, this little bit that I wrote down here. It says, uh, this, this is why the church should share Christ's accepting heart. Sinners felt a sense of belonging from Jesus. Loving people where they are means they are wanted and they belong. People are wanted, and, and listen, you are wanted, you belong, because who you are inherently as a person, we want you here. Because of who you inherently are as a person. Anything you have to offer in addition to that is irrelevant. Doesn't matter. What greater do you have to offer than yourself? A unique person formed and fashioned in their mother's womb by the hand and heart of our Creator. See, that's where we start with people. That's where we start with you. That's where somebody started with me. We start there, and, and though there be experiences, and, and, and through their experiences may have crafted them into the person we are today, whether we're built or whether we bro we're broken, we recognize that in this, God has a purpose and may use it all for our good and for His glory. In other words, I want you to understand something very quickly, because I'm not going to get to my last hold, but I'll just mention it quickly. I talked about secrecy, loneliness. The last one I was going to mention with it, hostility. Hostility against God. I want to be very, very clear. Anything that's been done to you, abuse, manipulation, you just go right down the list, that's not of God. That is not the will of God. We live in a world that God has given man free choice. And we can question that, but if you start really thinking about it, you'll see the wisdom in that. But the point just simply is, the things I've experienced in my past that are wrong, the rejection, the abuse, whatever it is, the, 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 the addictions I've experienced, those weren't the will of God. But you know what God's able to do? God's able to take the pain, He's able to take those experiences and turn them around for His good and for His glory. He's able to take that which was not His will to happen to me and He's able to use it for His greater good to do even something greater in my life as well as in someone else's lives. So as Christians, who are we to reject someone for whom the Lord loves and desires to be with with enough intensity that He went through the cross for them? So therefore, as God's people, and one of the things of this church, man, we want to be open. You don't, have to be a, you don't have to come to this church long to know our stance on abortion here. But if there's a woman, if there's women that have, that have had abortions in our church, let me tell you something. They ought to be able to open up to that with somebody. 
and get a big old hug around the neck and a kiss on the cheek. You understand what I'm saying? They need to understand that. Why? Because of who they are. The fact that this person had an abortion, which we don't agree with, I'm not going to go through my stance on abortion. I feel like I do it a good bit. But I'm just saying, for that, for that mother that's sitting here with regret and in the grips of Satan and in the grips of sin, I'm telling you today, there's forgiveness in that. There's some, and this ought to be a church where somebody can come and we say, man, we love you anyway. People from homosexual backgrounds, we love you anyway. Democrats, we love you. No, I'm just going to say that. We love you anyway. Um, <laughs> Republicans, we love you anyway. Whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, it, it's it's the, the truth, okay? I, I got to close, but I, I want to show you just a, a, one other quick thing. I want to see the picture first. Do you have the picture of the elephant? Uh, many of you are familiar with this, but I want you to know this is what you look like today. Just in case you're craving lunch too much, I'm trying to curb your... No, 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 you, you don't look like that physically. But what I mean to talk about today is this. That is one strong animal right there. That is one strong animal that is, there's no way in the world that that rope and that stake that's driven about that far in the ground can hold. But there's a reason that that elephant thinks. Literally, that elephant will just walk around that stake because it can't be set free. You want to know why? Because it's been trained that up here it can't break loose. That's what it's been trained at. And I'm telling you, if there's a picture of I don't know how many of us sitting here today that look just like that, Look just like that. We are, we're, we're connected to something because what I mean to tell you, when we think about breaking the grip that holds you, that binds you, that holds you captive, I'm not saying, man, you need to fight. You need to really go hard. You need to do that. Uh, because no. And that's one reason, honestly, Ryan, that video that Ryan showed first, which we're going to show again because I want to show the celebration in a moment, but there's one reason why that works. Because it's very subtle. If you watch that match, you're like, what just happened? How did he just get a point? How did he just win? Because that's kind of the thing. It's not like, man, I'm going to fight. I'm going to get out of this. No, Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The fact of the matter is, you're already free. You're already, the, the bands are already broken. You just got to move your foot in the right direction, and that stake comes out of the ground, and you can go on and have victory. You can be set free. Like the rest of us. And show that that video. I, I just like this, because this is what I want to do today. Who would have ever thought this is after this was even just having some delay. Oh, it's not going to play. You missed. There was about a dozen other people that came out hugging. Now he's about to run around with that American flag, Sometimes we have to be reminded that human. He won! He's free! He's broke the grip! I mean, he, come on, somebody, somebody runs with this. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! I'm telling you, I've been set free! Praise God! That big old nasty dude had a hold on me, and I didn't think I could let loose. But Jesus said, Thou art loose! 
And as we all stand here today, and Sonia comes to the piano, the greatest victory you can ever have, it starts with knowing Jesus as your Savior. I ask you this today. Do you know the Lord? Because the greatest bondage there is, is being lost in sin. In other words, you don't even know Jesus as your Savior yet. But let me tell you something. The reason Jesus came to this world, the reason He died on the cross, the reason He rose again, He did that for you. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can you admit that today? Can you admit that today if you can? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Hey, listen, because of our sin, folks, there's judgment for sin. You look at the cross and you can see it. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And the way we go to heaven is through accepting Christ as Savior. The way we don't is by doing nothing. Doing nothing at all. Just rejecting it. Just being negligent. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says this, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You want to be set free from sin and Satan? All you must simply do today, the Bible says, Call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, would you want to do that? Would you want to pray along with me today? Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for my sins. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for rising again the third day. Lord, and right now I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart and life and save my soul. Thank you, Jesus. I'm trusting your word today. I'm not asking for a filling and I'm not asking for a sign. Lord, I trust your word. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you could pray a prayer like that from your heart today, you could know what it is to be saved and have forgiveness of sin. But I want to ask you this today, child of God. I appreciate your patience today as always. But I ask you today, what's, what's got a hold on you? Oh, it's too big, preacher. It's too strong. Hey, it is bigger and stronger than you. But it's not bigger and stronger than him. That's right, baby. Love it. How about it today? What's got a hold of you? Just look down, man. Just, just move your foot. And that which holding you will come loose. And I know, listen, I know there's, there, there, there's some healing that takes place over time because just because you have surgery doesn't mean that you're better right away. It takes time, right, to heal. And God wants to do some work on you today, but it's going to take some time to heal. But I'm telling you, you're going to be better off. And I'm telling you, I'm glad that I just, I'm glad I've been set free today, aren't you? And listen, there's still things, I'm just being honest with you. Have you ever had something just grab you out of the blue? I have, just recently. I've had something just grab me out of the blue. Where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? Man. So you know what i got to do? i got to go back again and say, okay, Lord, I'm claiming your word. I'm trusting you. You said you'd set me free, and I'm trusting you to do so today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we have so much, so much that holds us things from the past, things from our present. Lord, you'll forgive us of our sins. Lord, and you'll give us victory over those things which we are bound by. Just help us, dear Lord God. Only trust Him, the song says. Just trust Him. Lord, help us just to trust You, to trust Your Word. 
I thank you, Lord. I have seen it, God. Lord, the church isn't some kind of display case for a bunch of perfect trophies, Lord. It's, it's a bunch of your trophies of grace that have been bruised and battered and broken that, that you've done a glorious work in. And I pray that you'll help us to see many, many more set free. There's people in here bound, Lord. There just really is. There's young people that are feeling lonely, God, that just feel despair. God, I pray that you'll comfort their hearts, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises, Lord. We love you tonight, today, and just uh, pray you will be done in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you.